0: all right all right all right we got another movie for 31 days of halloween today's pick is streaming on shutter a film that i've never seen before it's called the addiction by abel ferreira from 1995, a gritty black and white New York film that juxtaposes the trials and tribulations of being an addict alcoholic with being a vampire dependent on blood. Metaphors that seem very much on the nose, but this film somehow manages to take things that normally would be very much on the nose and just sort of weaves in and out deeper beneath the surface in wonderful ways. I was truly blown away by this film. I I didn't know what to expect. I had heard a little bit about this film. I'm a big fan of uh, Bad Lieutenant and the third remake of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, known as Body Snatchers, both uh, early 90 films by Abel Ferreira. And, I mean, he really has a style to his work. And I think this might be my favorite of all of his films. And it reaffirms my love for black and white. It's not a pretentious love and admiration. It's one that's firmly rooted in artistic, aesthetical purposes that make sense for what you're doing. You know, there's something about the black and white, especially in this film, where you are sort of... You you are transposed, you're teleported to... A time and place, well, we know that it's a gritty New York, but you you don't know the time period. The time period almost it doesn't look like a movie that was filmed in the 90s, let alone a movie like 1995. You think that this movie is a contemporary with a film like Kids, and you're kind of like, Kids is very gritty as well, but Kids feels like a newer film when compared to this film. So, so to think that they were both made in the same at the same time period in the same city kind of blows my mind a little bit. Uh, she is a... Philosophy master student, the, this this uh, Catherine, I think her name is, which makes sense. You know, this film has a lot of references to Christianity, various forms of Christianity, a lot of Christian symbolism, as do many vampire films, which we've talked about this in the past. Where the you know, if vampires are evil, then the opposite of evil is Jesus and Christianity and holy water and crosses which kind of leaves all of us who are not Christians on the sidelines a little bit, because it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just, it's part of the mythology, though. And one that I've grown up with and come to, you know, appreciate in its own kind of way. It's its own aesthetic in and of itself. And this film really sort of runs with that. You know, the vampirism is also kind of like an HIV AIDS metaphor. And in that, it felt like a 90s film. It just felt like it was really sort of, that this is something that's given to you, and then you have to... Sort of deal with it, but the gritty black and white New York, it just oh my god, I just can't say enough about it. And it made me solidify my decision. You know, my first film I shot in black and white, the film, the thing I'm making right now, I can't talk about, it's in color. And I swear the next time I shoot a film, it's gonna be in black and white again. Like, hands down, I just love it so much. You know what it is? You can play with light. So, you know, you're not worrying about the, the spectrum of color. It's just about light and dark and gray. And you try and find ways to manipulate light within this space. And there's something about the black and white, it transports you to another world. And I really got that sense while watching The Addiction. It's also super weird to think that both Edie Falco and Christopher... Oh, God, what's his name? Not Christopher. Michael Imperioli, who plays Christopher on The Sopranos. Two Sopranos actors that... Um, before The Sopranos. Four years before The Sopranos. And, you know, Edie is a student. She's the... the She's Catherine's friend. And it's just weird and bizarre to think of her as a student and not as calm, Carmelo. Uh, at, tw- at 20 minutes and 9 seconds we get the most beautiful, gorgeous tracking shot in black and white. She's just walking down the street and we see her shadow ahead of her. And I'm just so reminded of Nosferatu uh, ascending the stairs in uh, the 1921 German Expressionist film. It's just a beautiful ode to that. And it's the same thing. There was a scene, the attack scene, where she gets turned into a vampire. It's just the way that it's shot against this, like there's light shining through this steel grate you know, like this steel fence mesh grate. And it just, it's every frame is like a moving painting. And at first she's not sure how to, you know, there's no fangs in this movie, which I really like. It really strips, you know, what's interesting. It it goes heavy on the Christian stuff, but it strips down all the other things that are about being a vampire. You don't sleep in a coffin. There's no, sun- you might have an aversion to sunlight but sunlight isn't going to burn you. There's no stakes to the heart. You just, you're immortal and you're rotting inside and you can't get enough of the blood. Um, And, you know, she's, she because she's a junkie, she injects the blood at first, which I thought was a very sort of New York addiction sort of thing to do, right? The New York junkie, basically, which was, you know, you saw that on the street a lot back in the day, right? Um, I also felt like, I was in a Jim Jarmusch world, you know, a, a lot of early Jim Jarmusch black and white or just whatever, just sort of mumble, pr- proto-mumblecore. Before we got mumblecore, we had Jim Jarmusch and his early, his, his 80s films, his 80 independent masterpieces, um, which all got Criterion releases. I don't know why they are on Criterion, but they have Criterion releases. They're still, they're incredible art films. That's what they are. They're art films. I so have to think about them. And I feel like I'm in this, this Jarmusch world. Um, then we get this bathroom scene in the mirror. She, she's about to eat a victim and she's repeating the stuff that her attacker, the vampire that made her, she's repeating that stuff to her victim and her victim is repeating the stuff that she said to her attacker, the Catherine lady. And it's done through a mirror. It's a reflection of her when she was a victim and now she's on the other side of it. And it's just a very simple, almost kind of like a film school shot. You know, let's shoot the reflection of the character in the mirror and have this, have the back of her head. You know, it's a a shot that I love to death and will endlessly do as well. I just really, really like it. And there's this motif that repeats. It starts with the attack, the initial attack. Look me in the face and tell me to go. You know, um, and it's like a disease. This is part of the disease that's passed on. This, it's a disease of violence. It's a disease of of PTSD and trauma that gets transfused through the blood. There's this really grim... Sorry, I say grim in every episode. You know, it's watching a lot of grim movies. She's holding a baby shoe, and it's really just macabre. And you, you almost get the sense that she ate a baby. And then there's a heavy book that's covering, like, one of those sand clock things. And it just... I don't know. There's just It's so... It's like pure artistic juxtaposition. Like, I don't know what's being said, but it's just like time and holding like a a relic of youth and knowledge. Knowledge is weighing down on time. These very sort of basic concepts all being slammed together to sort of portray a message. And then Walken comes into the picture and he too says a variation of, why don't you just tell me to leave you alone like you mean it? You know, it's just like, that's like the thing that, why don't you just tell me to leave you alone like you mean it? Uh, and it's almost like when the attacker says it to Catherine, it was the thing that was said to her as well. It just gets repeated over and over again. He is a old vampire who's been fasting for 40 years. He's reformed. But he also looks down upon Catherine. He tells her her breath smells like crap and, you know, basically takes her prisoner and drains her because he just lives on the, 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 the most minimalist sustenance. He doesn't want to kill people, but he drains other vampires. And then all of a sudden it just jumps. It just jumps and she's she's working on her dissertation to finish it. She had already sucked the blood of, her, of her, her best friend and a street guy that was bothering her and... Her, her philosophy professor and she's writing and we're hearing her talk and she's saying philosophy is the pro- is propaganda uh that there's and there's always an attempt to influence the object and change its view of things the real question is the philosopher's impact on other egos uh transcendent or otherwise and this is really heavy heavy stuff but basically what it's i think what it's coming down to or what it's 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 this is supposed to plug into the vampirism and religion by by you know way of example that like all of it is propaganda and its merit is based on its impact and its merit is based on how it influences the egos of those around it. In the case of being a vampire, you you're proselytizing the vampireness by eating people and turning them into vampires. Ah you just lost a bunch of papers. So you know, and then the very next scene, we're, we're we get this. We literally get this because we're in a place. She's holding a reception. She's got graduated. She has her doctorate now. She's fi- she's a philosophy doctor. And all of the people that we've seen her eat over the course of this film are now um, what you call it. They are now like just seemingly alive. Everything's honky dory and okay. And we're just kind of like what. Like, I thought everybody was was eaten and dead and everybody's not eaten and dead, you know? Um, and we're kind of wondering what's going on. It's like a mixed room of people. Some people are human, some people are not. And as we see, it just... And then all of a sudden, I am just blown away because initially, this is where I come up with the idea that her addiction is the philosophy that she has spread to her victims, right? Her ability as a philosopher is, is impacted on their egos. Their egos are affected by what she's done to them. And now they suddenly surprise attack, you know, before From Dusk Till Dawn ever gave us the titty twister with the um, surprise vampire attack. We had it in the addiction where everybody that was once her victim is now a vampire and turns on 50% of the party and they're unsuspecting victims. And there's just this giant... Almost like a blood orgy or something, and everybody is getting eaten. And I was just not expecting it. And then we see her drunk on blood, walking through the streets. A priest, a priest gives her the body of Christ in the form of a Eucharist, I guess. She winds up in the hospital. People come to her. And um, what's interesting is she Accepts the Christian eternal life over the vampires, kind of. And she's reborn into something new. That's what I got from the movie, at least. Because he is vampiring her just the way that the vampires vampired her. You know, he's getting her to sort of convert to Christianity by accepting the blood of Christ, I guess. In the same way that vampires give you their blood, and you in turn become a vampire in eternal life this priest is giving the body of Christ and the blood of Christ to her and she's going to have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven, at least by Christian standards. So I thought that was very sort of interesting. And then all of a sudden, the fact that it's black and white makes perfect sense to me because these worldviews are black and white. You're a vampire, you're evil, you're a sinner or you're a Christian and you're good, you're walking towards the light. God is great, you know, that kind of thing. It's just everything is in black and white. And she says to herself as she puts a flower on her own grave and there's a quote a, from John or something, something about uh, resurrected I, and and I am now resurrected and we see her walk away seemingly happy and she walks by a statue of Adam and Eve in the garden of evil with Christ like above them. So there's a lot of Christian, Christian iconography in this film And she makes a quote, self-revelation is the annihilation of self. Self self Self-revelation is the annihilation of self. So in discovering who you are, you are destroying yourself or at least a previous identity that you once had of yourself. I think I am who I am, right? And then through a self-revelation, I now have new knowledge about myself that destroys the old version of self. And thus I am reborn, and it's the last of many philosophical sayings in this film that are inverses. It's like kind of like what um, uh, in uh, what's his name, Wes, Wes uh, Studi in um, in Mystery Men. He always says these funny sayings. If you don't control your words, then your words will control you which makes perfect sense. If you don't control your words, then your words will control you. If you don't smile to the sun, then the sun will smile down to you. You know, it's like this like inverse statement, right? Of, of, um, of everything. And I, it's in there. In any case, this was really, I really enjoyed this film. I can't recommend it enough. It's streaming on Shutter. Up next, I think I'm going to watch Habit just to make it like a nice independent New York vampire, like, you know, sort of fresh take on a vampire or like deconstructing the vampire double feature with uh, Larry Fessenden. So we will see you. Tune in next time, folks.